Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast series, Mum, You've Got This. If this is your first time listening to an episode on this podcast, there are 20 other episodes you could go back and have a listen to, also an intro episode right at the start, which explains what the series is about. The person I have featuring on episode 21 today is Amy. Amy, welcome and thank you so much for coming on to the podcast series. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. I'm so excited to be here. Good. I love that. Tell us first, Amy, um, your, give us an overview of um, life right now. So what you do for work, your family <laughs> dynamic, your partner, the whole picture. Okay. So I am a mother of two girls. I've got a seven-year-old and also a five-year-old. And I also have a bonus stepdaughter who comes in the school holidays um, to stay with us. Mm-hmm. And I've got a partner um, who currently works in disability support. Um, and I am a yoga teacher, a youth mentor, and I'm also a holistic health coach. Um, so we live in Newcastle and up until very recently, I have been teaching in schools, um, to children, yoga and mindfulness. And I also teach adults in, um, in my local town as well. How has what's happened or happening now in the world with coronavirus affected everything for you and your family and your business? So it's completely shaken everything up Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it has everyone. Um, But basically all of my schools obviously pulled me and every other educator that wasn't essential from the schools. And I got those phone calls or emails one at a time. So that was kind of the first thing that went for me, which was really, really hard because um, I'm used to seeing those children every single week. And then when there was sort of no real communication with when we would be able to come back and continue the classes, it just made me really sad, to be honest with you, Mm. because it brings so much joy into my life. Um, And then about a week after that, Um, all my adult classes had to get pulled. So I actually was sort of listening to um, Yoga Australia and their advice. And they were basically encouraging all yoga teachers to stop all of their in-person classes and bring everything online. So in that time, a lot of studios were still trying to push forward and run either outdoor classes or smaller classes and there was different guidelines about capping classes and making sure there was going to be like two meters in between each yoga mat. Um, And then a few days later, it basically came out that no, you have to pull all the classes um, Mm. from the government. So that's once again, really disappointing um, because as I was sharing with you before we pressed record, um, going through all of this, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling. And a big part of me, I really come from service and being able to show up to my classes in person and serve my community and teach them the yoga and the meditation and breathing and mindfulness and how to ground. And I'm not able to do that at the moment, which is really, really challenging. So I'm doing research on how to bring all the classes online, which once again has its own challenges um, because I'm not super technical and 
face to face has always been my strong point. I'm, I'm very much an in-person kind of a person, even when I'm catching up with girlfriends and things like that, or, um, if my partner like has been away, like it's, it's just been challenging because I'm a real in-person kind of a person. Mm. So, yeah, so it's really shaken everything up. It's interesting what you said then around, you know, the changes and it's, you know, it is tough because I think the government is doing, I think, a pretty good job of a pretty challenging situation. But when you look at the direct impact of what the changes has had, you know, purely looking at your business um, and your industry and, you know, the health industry, there was all these changes that kind of got made. So it was, okay, well, let's restrict classes down. And then it was, okay, well, now we've got to close, you know, um, these gyms and um, indoor um, activities like that for safety and mm. everything, which you understand. So then you kind of adapt and look at ways to have, bring it outdoors and make those changes and communicate that. And and then it's okay, yeah, no, now you can't do that at all. There's a lot of change in trying to continually evolve and adapt to the new rules. And that's a lot. It's a lot to go through for you, for your business and for your family. And and now I think, you know, it's hard, the digital tech side of it. Um, mm. But as you know, it just seems like this is going to be the norm for quite a while now. Um, mm. So hopefully you feel that you can adapt to that to do it online because I think the work that you do, so many people would be so reliant on right now, particularly, you know, the mindfulness and everything like that. So um, we'll chat about that afterwards because I've done a fair bit of that. So I'd love to talk to you about ways to, to yeah, be able to bring that, still bring that to all of your um, yogis. Is that what you call them? <laughs> I do. I do. I call them my yogis. And just going back on what you were saying, like, I absolutely think our government is doing such an awesome job. And even I was, um, watching little snippets of the news and Scott Morrison, like when he comes onto the TV, honestly, I know there's some people that are like being really hard on him, but you've got to look at him and just think, man, you're doing a good job considering everything that's going on at the moment. And he just looks exhausted and just mm-hmm. so run down. And I mean, I think we just need to come from a place of kindness because mm. he's doing the best he can with this situation. And I mean, it's a lot to take on. And absolutely, I think for all of us, we're going through this time of change and growth and we can look at this and yes, of course, there's so many challenges going on, but there's so many ways that we can learn and grow as human beings and parents and, um, and in our work, like for me, exactly what you were saying is I need to now go, okay, well, how can I learn to take my classes and bring them online? Mm. And what I have loved watching is seeing all these big yoga studios that I've watched and admired from a distance, like whether they be in Byron Bay or Sydney or Melbourne or wherever the classes are, they're all adapting and they're bringing their classes online. And now I'm getting a chance to go, oh, maybe I could do a class with that teacher that I've never had the chance to do a class with in person, but Mm. now they're bringing their classes online. So I have expressed that to my students as well, that yes, I have definitely got fear around how am I going to make this work? But there's also excitement because, wow, what an opportunity to go, oh, I can bring my classes online now. What does that look like? Mm. How does that look and how does that feel? So I think 
there's always two ways to look at things. It's like the doom and gloom, or we can go, oh, what are the positives here and what can I learn and how can I grow from this? Absolutely. I think that you used a word before opportunities. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can just try and find as a positive through all of this. What, what new opportunities does this new situation actually bring? And for you, for you, it's, it's, yeah, the accessibility of classes and teachers you've not really been able to utilize before. And, and um, for your business, it's, well, that's, there's so many more students and people that you can actually reach and share your knowledge and everything with as well. So that's an exciting opportunity. Mm. Well, for my um, kids brand, which is called happy, happy little yogis, I have dreamed about having a TV show for so long for happy little yogis <laughs> and it's almost like like i haven't had time or um technology hasn't been right so there's also that opportunity for me to really get that up off the ground now it might not look exactly how i pictured it in my head um, because i'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to putting out content mm-hmm. and i've once again this has been something that i've had to learn and sort of surrender my perfectionism ways and go you know what this is just going to look how it's going to look <laughs> at the moment and we can always come back and recreate that with better quality video or better audio or whatever it is mm. for example i um Last Monday, I tried to jump on a Facebook Live and do one of my adult classes and I got everything ready. I got the kids in the bath. My partner was watching the girls and trying to organise everything so I could just have this 45 minutes to an hour to teach this online class. We set up the lights, we set up the video and thought the microphone was all correct and (laughs) I got the mat out and everything so I was like great this is looking really good and I'm so excited and I taught the 45 minute class online and because of the um, microphone I've got quite an old iPhone I don't have one of the new ones I've had to it's been a process getting that all kind of set up and connected And I taught the class thinking, right, at least I've delivered something to my students and I can sort of go take a big breath and go, okay, I feel like I've served, I've been of service. And then when I finished the class, I logged on and had a look at the comments and they're like, oh, sorry, we couldn't watch because it was so crackly and the sound was so bad. And Mm. I'm like, what are they talking about? And I clicked play of the video and it was just crackles all the way through, like totally distracting, could hardly hear me. And I'm like, I just burst into tears because I was like, this has taken so long to organise. But at the end of the day, I actually had been holding it together until that point. Mm. And I actually needed that time to actually release and let go of those emotions. And it was once again, such a good learning because by that time, my kids were out of the bath and they were in their pajamas and all that kind of stuff. And they came out and they saw me in tears and just so upset. And they're like, mommy, what's wrong? And I was trying to explain to them and I wasn't trying to hide my um, emotions because I, I don't believe in that um, and it was so beautiful to watch their empathy and them say it's okay mummy you can try it again another day when you're not tired and you're not upset mm-hmm. you don't have to do it now so it was really beautiful seeing and witnessing them sort of step up and 
and be in their power and hold space for me. And I just kind of went, oh, all this time I've been teaching my children or demonstrating what empathy is and what it means to um, hold space for others. And then they demonstrated it so beautifully and it was just Mm. such an unexpected moment. So yeah, I don't know where that kind of came from, but yeah, no, I just that's I'd so nice. Show an example. That's so nice to share it, and I think you know from the issues that you had, you, you, you've learnt from that. You're not gonna. That's not gonna happen again. And how beautiful that you saw that from your children. So you win at the end of the day. You get a you get a positive outcome. What absolutely. Um, it's really interesting the experience and the, the skill set and everything that you've kind of you're doing from a career point of view. Do you want to talk about? Um, your career path to get to where you are today. So talking from your schooling and um, career Mm -hmm. travel to lead you to where, what you're doing now. Sure. So my life looks completely different to what I imagined it was going to look like. Um, I went to a performing arts school and I've done dancing and singing and acting from very young. Um, And I auditioned for my local performing arts school uh, for high school and I was lucky enough to get a position. And so I I went through schooling and it was quite challenging going to a performing arts school for a few different reasons Um, because back then when we were kind of auditioning, I auditioned to get into the school for dance. So when we got, when I got into the school, I wasn't really able to do the music and the acting as well as the dance. So I just had to really focus on dance while I was there. And I don't have a typical dancer's body and I won't go into too much detail about that, but particularly back then when there was not a lot of um, self-worth education or self-love education and body image was very different to what it is now. There's been so many people do so many incredible things to help women and empower women around their body. But back when I was in high school, it wasn't a thing. Um, So it was challenging because there was always being like, I was always being compared to other girls in the class and all that kind of stuff. And you would sometimes go into the bathroom at lunchtime and there'd be girls um, being sick in the toilet and all that kind of stuff. So my high school years, there was a lot of, now I look back, there was quite a bit of trauma (laughs) that I went through because I was always trying to compete or I was always comparing and I didn't know it then, but I, now that I know what it is, I had depression and anxiety. Um, I didn't personally have an eating disorder, but there were many girls in the school that did have eating disorders. And once again, I didn't really know what that was back then. Um, but yeah, being exposed to all of that, created a lot of mental health issues for me and obviously a lot of other uh, kids. And then I went into, when I left school, I auditioned for an acting school in Sydney and I got in Um, and I actually left school when I was in year 10. So I was actually only really young and I thought that I was going to go into hairdressing and the beauty industry, like doing makeup and stuff like that. And, um, 
that was part of the deal with my parents. If I, if I tried really hard and got decent um, grades, I guess, in my uh, school certificate, I think that's what it's called, I was able to leave providing they could see that I was going to make an effort and either try and get a job or secure an apprenticeship. So basically I did that and I, I've, because of my dancing um, background, I've always been very disciplined and that's one of the great things that I have taken from that dance background is being very disciplined and so I made up all my resumes and I printed them off and I went around to all the different hairdressing salons. Um, and I did quite a bit of study in hairdressing and I got offered quite a few apprenticeships. And then when I got to that point and I got offered the apprenticeship, I just kind of went, this isn't actually what I really want to do. I really want to do my performing and acting. And I spoke to my parents and I said, is it all right if I audition for this acting school? And because once again, I was really young, they were kind of a bit sceptical of how it was all going to look, um, me moving out of home so young and moving to Sydney. Um, but they were really supportive and my dad took me down for the audition and I did the audition and I was the youngest one to audition. And I did get into the acting school, which was really amazing. Um, so for weeks on end, my parents and I and my brother, um, my younger brother, we had to go down to Sydney each weekend to try and find a place for me to live. And because I was so young, I wasn't 18. Um, it was really, really challenging because nobody wanted to have an under 18 year old with no job living in their spare bedroom or whatever it was because they didn't think I was going to be able to pay the rent. Mm. So weekends, like, so I don't even know how many weekends we went down there on um, trying to find a spot for me to live. And then finally there was a family that were renting out a granny flat in the back of their backyard and they kind of put out the intention that they kind of wanted a young uh, country girl to be living in their backyard in their little granny flat. So I went in and I, and I didn't know this at the time, but we went in, my mum and my dad and my brother were with me and I went in and had the interview with them. And finally, after many, many weekends, I was able to find somewhere to live. And my parents helped me to move down to Sydney so it was huge basically for the whole family and it was really um, stressful and so, yeah, it was, it was a big, big time for everyone. Mm. So yeah, when I was in Sydney, I, I was working really hard because once again, I had that discipline. I've always seen my parents with such great work ethic um, and I truly believe that I have good work ethic because of them and I've witnessed them from a young age working so hard. So I went to lots of different job interviews and at one stage I was working like five jobs to try and pay all the rent and everything like that um, and just survive in Sydney pretty much. And then I was studying at the same time. And like that kind of went on for quite a few years. And because I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't looking after myself, my anxiety levels were becoming really bad. Uh, I was also exhausted. 
and I started to have panic attacks and I didn't know what the panic attacks were because back then it wasn't sort of what it is today Mm. for education around mental health and anxiety and depression and stuff so I would have these really bad panic attacks and I remember one was so bad that they called the ambulance and I got taken to hospital and a good friend of mine uh, from acting school actually witnessed my panic attack and she said Amy I need to take you to yoga and I was like what is yoga I don't know what that is Mm. (laughs) and I had lots of doctors trying to put me on medication and um, getting me to go and see psychs and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a really huge time for me. And obviously my parents were back home worried, really, really like not sure what to do. Um, But yeah, so I, I went to this yoga class with my friend and I don't know if you're familiar with Newtown in Sydney, but it's, particularly back then it, it, it's very kind of new agey and mm. it was kind of where all um, the hippie kind of people would hang out and I went to this yoga class and it was a lunchtime yoga class and as soon as I walked into the class and I smelt the incense and everyone was already chanting and they were like doing their alms and they had this beautiful music and my friend had my mat set up and it was such a full class And for a lot of people with anxiety, they would kind of walk into a full class and sort of that would make them more panicky because it it could be quite overwhelming. But Mm. for some reason, for me, I just felt so calm and so grounded as soon as I walked into that room and I went to the yoga mat. And because I had my dance background, but I hadn't danced in many years, I still had that movement and just it felt so amazing being on the mat and moving in in flow and rhythm with all the other people in the room and as I said chanting and because I've got that music background it just was amazing to be part of that vibration Mm, wow so it was incredible goosebumps listening to this (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so good well I had goosebumps on that day and I, I kind of walked in and I was like I have found what is going to help me heal or what is going to help manage my anxiety levels. And I was so grateful to my friend and I basically became obsessed with yoga Mm. and I was practicing yoga in the studio, maybe three or four times a week. Mm -hmm. At that stage, I didn't have a home practice because I didn't really need to have a home practice because at that stage I wasn't a mom and I was able to go to classes all the time. And so that really, really shifted me and my mental health. And then I, when, I met, when I met my partner, um, we were only together for, I think, eight months, nine months, something like that. And we fell pregnant with my youngest daughter, uh, my eldest daughter, sorry. And that really wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> that was a really big surprise. Mm. And as I mentioned before, he actually has an eldest daughter from a previous partner and he had already expressed to me that he, he didn't want to have any more kids. So I was really, really oh, nervous wow. yeah. <laughs> when I had to tell him that I was pregnant and that we were going to have another baby <laughs> or we were going to have a baby together. Um, so, yeah, so that was a really big time for me. And at that time I 
had progressed in my career and um, I mentioned before that I was working five jobs, like lots in retail and also hospitality and also um, I started working in magazines as a fashion stylist assistant. Mm -hmm. So I was exposed to lots of different things and ran myself into the ground basically. Um, And then when I fell pregnant, I was current, I was working in clubs at the time and I was um, working in event management and producing burlesque and cabaret shows. So I was, you've done everything. um, My goodness. I honestly, I kind of look back and I go, wow, this is all done in one lifetime. That's a lot of stuff. But it's really interesting now getting to where I am. And like when I talk to my mentor or my business coach and I say, like back then I was like, why am I doing this? And now she'll say to me, so you now know why you did that because you're very entrepreneurial and you needed to learn that skill to help you in this moment now. So it's really interesting. Like I totally believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm. So yeah, so I was managing um, events and producing these cabaret burlesque shows and I was performing in them and also working in clubs. So up until 37 weeks pregnant, <laughs> I yeah. was working in, um, in a club <laughs> and my daughter, when she, I, I got to the end of that shift and it was like 6am in the morning and I just turned to my boss and I was like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I feel like I've given it a really good go. I can't wow. do any more shifts. So I remember being so swollen and sore and everything was just, I was just exhausted. Um, so I basically went on maternity leave and then my eldest daughter, Isabel was born at 41 weeks and I was booked into, uh, the birthing center in Sydney and I had a really, really beautiful pregnancy. Um, and then for my birth, um, myself and my partner, we were working really, really well at home. Um, when I felt, when I, when my waters broke and we worked, I think it was like 10 hours or something, we were at home. Um, and then I was like, I really feel like we need to go to the hospital now Mm. to the birthing center. And so we went to the birthing center and basically peak hour traffic trying to get from Waterloo to the hospital, which was only like, if there's no traffic, it's like 10 minutes but it took so long and just being in the car, it was so stressful and not pleasant at all. Um, But I finally got to the hospital and yeah, all the birthing went really well. Um, However, I kept saying like, I feel the urge to push and they're like, Oh no, you've still got ages to go. And I had a student midwife um, in there and and the um, senior midwife left the room and the student midwife stayed in the room. And I was just like, I really feel like I need to push. And then um, my daughter's head came out and she's just like, Oh my God. get the senior midwife so she ran out of the room and went and got her and basically um the senior midwife and the student midwife came in and they couldn't even get the gloves on or get anything prepared before my daughter came out and they basically had to catch her before she fell on the on the tiles because I was in the shower wow so it was pretty full on (laughs) <laughs> and then like I, I kept saying like why did no one believe me when I was saying she was coming 
Um, but anyway, so it all happened. And then afterwards, the poor student midwife, she'll probably never make this mistake again. You know how when you have to birth the placenta? Mm. I, um, I There was like a... a bowl of water because I kept getting like really hot and then really cold throughout the birthing process and I had this cold water to put my feet in anyway so they didn't move the bucket of water so then when I birthed the placenta the placenta like came and fell out into that bucket of water (laughs) and just splashed everywhere and the poor student midwife was just saturated in the the bucket from the bucket of water and also my placenta so I don't think she will make that mistake again no Um, I don't think she's forgotten your your that was seven years ago I reckon she's forgotten that (laughs) no I think that was a good learning experience (laughs) I felt so bad afterwards I was like oh my gosh you poor thing um but yeah so everything was really amazing um to start with and I was breastfeeding and um, that was all quite easy Uh, but then I started getting all these pains in my belly and I was like I feel like I'm still in labor and I kept it, it was almost like I was having contractions again and I was like what is going on and I kept saying it to the midwife and my partner and I was just in so much pain and they were like oh no everything's fine um and they checked everything and they were like oh it's everything looks totally fine and normal um but because I was in so much pain they wanted to keep me in overnight and they kept me in the birthing center Mm. so it was like a comfortable bed but I didn't get any sleep and anyway the next morning when I woke up and um went and had a shower to freshen up and stuff like this giant probably you know those like little kid sized footballs Mm. this massive like blood clot came out so that's why my body was in so much pain because my body was clotting all this blood and it came out when I was in the shower and the like midwife kind of saw or the nurses in that saw and they're just like that's why you're in so much pain that makes so much sense now so for anyone that's um having a baby or um is like planning on having babies in the future I really really encourage them to speak up and really express what's going on because I it was my first birth and I Mm. knew there was something wrong and I kept trying to say something um and everyone just kept saying no it's fine but you really need to trust your body and trust what's going on and express what's going on so yeah, so that was a big lesson in speaking up mm, so for myself. How had that happened? Did they? Did you know what what was causing? Um, it was basically. I really don't to this day. When I had my second baby, um, which I can go into if you like, I ended up having a home birth, and I explained what happened to the midwife. And she did like take the time to explain it to me, but I really can't remember. But it was basically just all the blood clotting in my body um, and then getting rid of it because Mm. it it was no longer needed. But it's not a normal thing that happens to everyone. So they Mm. had to be really careful of that in my second birth as well. So with um, what were you doing? You're working a whole heap of jobs when you had, was it Isabel, your eldest? Um, yes. What did you do then um, with with work afterwards? Afterwards, yeah. 
So I was really naive and it didn't matter how many times my mum kept saying to me, uh, your life is going to dramatically change, Amy, <laughs> because I was very materialistic and I was very like, I was the sort of person who um, would go and get my hair done every three weeks. I was the person that was getting my nails done every two weeks and a pedicure done every two weeks and facials every three weeks and massages every two weeks. And so I was very materialistic and I was also very self-indulgent. Um, so my mum kept trying to tell me that your life is going to change. You're not going to be able to do all those things. And I was like, mum, what do you know? I'll still be able to do all these same things. And my <laughs> life is going to be totally the same. And I honestly thought after six weeks, like after I've recovered, um, that I would be back at work in the clubs and still being able to do exactly the same stuff. So I learned pretty quickly that that was <laughs> not going to be the case. <laughs> I think after about eight weeks, um, I had my boss say to me, oh, we're really desperate. Can you please come in and do a shift um, because we really, really need you? And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work. My partner's working and I just don't know how, I just don't see how that's going to work. And I ended up doing it and my daughter didn't take a bottle. She was purely breastfed. Um, and it was probably one of the worst nights ever because I didn't realize that I was going to have to be expressing all the time. And like, I think I was in the early stages of getting mastitis because I like the shifts were like 12 hours long and it was just a nightmare basically. So I really felt lost and I wasn't sure what I was going to do for work because I had a very clear picture of what my life was going to look like. I was going to become a famous actress and I was going to become a pop star. <laughs> and that was what I had envisaged for my life. Mm. And that's what I was really working towards while I was working in clubs and also um, managing events and things like that and going to acting school. But when I became pregnant, that all changed pretty quick. And then after I gave birth, as I said, I felt really lost and I felt like I had lost my own identity mm. and I'd just become a mum and that was it. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And it took me a really long time to kind of reflect on all of that. And one day I decided to write down a list of all the things that I love to do in my life. And yoga was right at the top. And I kind of was thinking about that. And I discussed it with my partner and um, one of my yoga teachers had just opened up a new yoga studio not far from me. And they started offering yoga teacher training. And I said to him, I really feel called to do this teacher training program so I can become a yoga teacher. Um, and I mean, it was quite an investment for us. And he was really, really supportive, which I'm really grateful for. Um, so it took me uh, six months to complete my that first initial uh, yoga teacher training. Mm. Um, and it was quite challenging because once again, there were full days and I was 
exclusively breastfeeding my daughter and she really didn't like bottles. So some days my partner would have to bring Isabel into the yoga studio uh, in the lunch break and I would be breastfeeding her and then um, he would go and then I'd be breast, uh, I'd be pumping milk in between and all that kind of stuff, trying to keep mm-hmm. my uh, milk supply up. So it was, it was challenging trying to fit that in with his work. And actually at the time he just started his own business um, in Kahuna Massage. And so just trying to juggle it all and be <laughs> a, a good mum and be a good partner and still trying to learn how to become a yoga teacher. It was, it was a challenging full on time for, for all of us. Um, but yeah, then we sort of got there, uh, and I got to graduate, which was really exciting. Um, and kind of cut a long story short, I fell pregnant when my youngest daughter was about, uh, my, I'm trying to think, Isabel was probably 18 months or younger maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter, but I fell pregnant with my youngest daughter, Charlotte. And at the time I was helping my partner in his business and we were paying ridiculous amounts of rent in our apartment in Sydney that we lived in. And it was a really challenging time. And we basically very nearly went bankrupt because the money that was coming in wasn't enough to cover all the rent that we were paying. We were paying like $750 a week in rent um, in this little two bedroom apartment in Mm. Sydney. It was just, it wasn't a nice apartment. It didn't have a nice outlook. They were building another building apartment next to where this one was. So there was just like workmen and dust and it was just no, no one was happy. So myself and my partner, we were like, what are we going to do? Like, really, what are we going to do? Because we kept looking at our bank account going, oh, my gosh, this is really stressful. Um, And we actually decided that it was time to move out of Sydney. Mm -hmm. And once again, I really struggled with that because I had this idea in my head that Sydney was where I was going to become successful with my acting and my music and, and my career and my yoga and all that kind of stuff. And we decided to move back to my hometown where my parents lived and just kind of figure out what we were going to do with our life. Um, so we moved back to in with my mum and dad, which was pretty full on. And I was um, very close to giving birth I think I must have been oh seven months pregnant or something like that so and because we live quite a fair way like a nearly an hour drive to the hospital that I was booked into I was really freaking out because of that memory of being in the car driving Mm -hmm. from my apartment in Sydney to the hospital for that time so I spoke to my midwife about home birth Mm-hmm. And my parents were really not thrilled about me having a home birth in their house. Anyway, we had a meeting with the midwife and um, I actually, I got really sick and I ended up getting influenza and pneumonia when I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. Wow. It, yes, it was full on, really, really full on. And 
we had the midwife come and just kind of explain everything in regards to a home birth to my parents so that they could try and get their head around it. And by this time I was still two weeks out um, from having my due date and I was really, really sick. And the midwife said to both myself and my parents, the baby's not going to come at the moment. So you've still got time um, to process and work out if, if you want to have a home birth. So my parents were like, okay, give us like 24 hours to have a think about this idea of the home birth. And the midwife assured that I wouldn't have the baby because the baby knows not to come at the moment because mum's really sick. So she was really reassuring us. <laughs> and then that night um, I was having my shower about nine o'clock at night and my waters broke. Wow. And I went to my mum. This is like um, a movie. This sort of stuff doesn't happen <laughs> in real life. This is written in movie. <laughs> I know. It was so full on. Um, so at this time my parents were really just processing what we'd been talking about, about the home birth. And then I had to go down and bravely tell my mum, that my waters just broke and I'm in labor. <laughs> and she's just, so I told my mom and then she told my dad and they're kind of looking at each other going, she's obviously joking because the midwife said this wouldn't happen. <laughs> and we didn't have any of the stuff prepared or organized. And I was like, no, I'm being serious. My waters are broken. <laughs> so we had to call the midwife. And she's just like, all right, so what are you guys going to do? Are you going to have this baby at home? And I'm like, well, I just can't see myself driving to the hospital. And my parents are like, okay, we're having a home birth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically um, the midwife came oh, and, and she kept saying, oh, the baby probably isn't going to come for a, quite a while. You've probably still got like, ages before the baby's going to come. So we'll give you a couple of hours. Anyway, we had to call the midwife back like an hour or so later and just basically say, look, the contractions are starting and they're coming sort of quite frequently. And so they, the midwife team came to the house and were observing and uh, like just showing me all the different postures and where I should be and try on the toilet and go in the bath and hop in the shower and all the different places. And they could see that I was working really, really hard to get this baby out. And they were kind of a bit confused as to why she wasn't coming out because they could see that I was working hard and that the baby was ready to come out. Um, anyway, so she said to me, um, come and I'll like do an exam and it's probably a bit hard to explain, but, um, my baby had her hands kind of, um, just underneath her chin and like they were in little fists so that it was stopping her from coming out. It was like, no, I don't want to come out yet. So she was kind of halting everything. So, um, the midwife had to kind of do some adjustments to put it nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, to help her come out. And then, yeah, she basically came out and it was, it was so perfect. It was the most amazing, magical experience. And if anyone ever gets the chance to birth at home or birth in your parents' house without their permission, <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend it. Like obviously you need to work with your um, body and like the midwives and all that kind of stuff and see if you're able to do it. But it was the most incredible experience. 
And for the first time ever, my eldest daughter slept through the night. Usually she was the worst sleeper ever. Um, and she slept through the night. And then in the morning, um, when she came in, I, I, this is I, such a big regret that I really wish we filmed her face when she got to meet her baby sister for the first time mm. because it was so, like, just absolutely, I, I, wouldn't, I hope I never forget that moment um, and I wish I had it filmed. So for anyone that's having a baby soon, try and film that moment if you're mm. introducing to a sibling. <laughs> um, but yeah, she walked in and she was like, mum, what happened? Where did that baby come from? And she was just, <laughs> and she was only two and it was just the most beautiful experience. Um, and everything was so smooth and so perfect. But then because I had the pneumonia, um, everything kind of went downhill pretty quick because I was just exhausted and, had a new baby and a toddler and even though I had support around me, I, I wasn't able to take any medication because I was pregnant. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the pneumonia kind of got really bad and I, that day I ended up having to go to hospital and I, I felt in that moment really defeated um, by the pneumonia, by my health because I'd, I'd and now looking back, I, I still got my home birth, which I was so grateful for. But because I was sick, I ended up back in hospital. But it was the best place for me to be because I was so unwell and they had to monitor me and I had to go on antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. So I had the fairy tale home birth, but then I ended up in hospital. So it, you just have to go with the flow and just trust. And like, I'm so grateful for the health care system that we have that I was able to get the antibiotics and my health um, got a lot better um, mm. as the weeks kind of went on. So, yeah, so that's kind of it in a very big nutshell, my birth. <laughs> so please feel free to dig into that um, and ask any questions you have. Well, I wonder if I wondered like um, the thought process around, I know obviously the hour drive from hospital and things like that um, it probably directed a lot of the choice into choosing the home birth path. Were you nervous mm. about what would happen if there were any complications with, with the birth or with, with your baby when she arrived? Honestly, the, the midwives that I was working with and I, I can't, I can only speak from my own experience. They were so experienced and they have a plan for everything. It's not just like this. Oh yeah. We're just going to let her pop a baby out at home. There's so many procedures you have to um, go through like a lot of screening to see whether or not you are able to have a home birth. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt so calm and so happy with my choice, it was more stressful thinking of the drive and then birthing at the side of the road for me. That was like, I just couldn't even think of that. Um, but no, I didn't really have any fear around birthing at home, but that might've been because of my first birth with my um, eldest daughter, Isabel, because that was all natural as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would have felt fully comfortable having a home birth for my first birth but because I had already experienced birth naturally 
and I felt so empowered after my first birth that I was just, I was ready. Mm, That's amazing. So yeah, I just, and to be honest with you, after giving birth to Isabel, my eldest, I became quite obsessed with birth and I was like reading lots of blog posts and watching documentaries and all that kind of stuff. And I just became fascinated with birth. And, and when I did my yoga teacher training, I also did further training on pre and postnatal um, like yoga training as well so that I was able to teach mums and bubs yoga and also pregnancy yoga. So mm. it just became something that, I was so fascinated with because our bodies are just incredible that we can do this. So, and, and birth children and grow children inside of us. Mm. And it's, it just fascinated me. So I, I think because I was so um, educated and then my midwife team made me feel so secure in my decision and reassured me of if there's any complications this would happen and where we we've got oxygen and if anything really massive happened we would take you to the hospital or we would call an ambulance and all those kind of things so I really felt mm. safe nurtured and cared for mm, that's great what what then did you do um so how did you start actually teaching as a yoga instructor what stage did that happen and then um you know obviously when you created your business as well mm-hmm. so after I had my youngest, that was when I really got into teaching and we moved out of my mum and dad's house by that stage. And once again, my partner, he was doing his own business and I, we were still struggling to try and get on top of things financially. And my, I was talking to a good friend of mine that I was, I, I'm still friends with her from primary school. And she was just like, Amy, you need to start teaching yoga in in your hometown. And I was just like, no, nah, I don't know about that. And she's just like, honestly, you just need to try. And our, where I live is um, there's a RAF base close by. So there's lots of, and my dad was in the RAF. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to my dad who I really admire. And as I said, he's got this amazing work ethic and I really admire him and take on board his um, feedback all the time. Um, And I always have. And I spoke to him about the idea of running yoga classes in my hometown. And he was just like, no, it's not going to work. And I was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then I had my really good friend on the other hand going, Amy, you just need to try. Trust me, you need to try. There's so many people who want yoga and your qualified teacher, just do it. So I was just like, okay, I'll just try and I'll just see and I'll just put it out there. At that stage, I just started like this little Facebook page and I just put it out there and my friends shared it in a um, local mum's page on Facebook, a group. And within a week, I had four sold out beginner yoga programs like the first oh. one sold out and I was just like, oh my goodness, people really do want this. And then the second one sold out and I was like, wow. And then the third one and the fourth one. And I was like, um, dad, <laughs> so I'm teaching yoga in our town. And he's just like, oh, okay. So it was just a really funny moment. But yeah, so I started teaching adult yoga and because no one had really been exposed, this was 
uh, five years ago and I was the first yoga teacher in my town and no one had ever pretty much done yoga before. So I really wanted it to be um, accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great experience because when I did my teacher training, I was exposed to certain things in Sydney where yoga was quite big in Sydney by that stage. And most people knew the poses and there was like, there was a lot of boxes that got ticked in regards to the kind of people that would come to yoga classes. However, when I started teaching in my hometown, pretty much it was just all walks of life were coming and doing yoga classes because they wanted to learn how to de-stress and calm and stretch and move their body and be more mindful. So I had people from all walks of life with different illnesses, injuries, um, ailments, different body shapes. It wasn't just this one size fits all. And it was the best experience for me ever um, to be able to do that because I learned how to teach and hold space for everyone as opposed to the typical person that would go to yoga. Mm. So that was really, really awesome. And I'm so glad that I got to experience that because yeah, it was able to, I was able to just modify all the different poses to suit each person's needs and each person's body shape and type. So, and their Mm. different levels of flexibility. So yeah, so that was five years ago. And when I was teaching the adult classes, I then had a lot of the parents sort of saying to me, Hey, would you be open to teaching kids yoga? And I was like, uh, yes, this is what I wanted to do for so long. Um, so then I started some kids yoga classes in the area and I also started teaching in my daughter's preschool. And from there, it kind of just was this word of mouth and I never really had to do any kind of flyers. I actually had flyers um, designed but never printed them because it was just, I never needed to. It was just this word of mouth. Um, And a lot of different schools would reach out to me. And I also then developed my own kids yoga teacher training where I would teach. um, I've had lots of different people do it. I've had teachers like preschool teachers and um, primary school teachers and parents and speech therapists and um, physios, anyone that kind of either has kids or works with kids they do my teacher training program and it's a one day um, yoga and mindfulness training where I help like people bring more yoga and mindfulness to kids. So that's been really, really fun and amazing developing that. And I've run, Mm. I think 12 or 13 of those workshops over the last two years. I think it's been two years. So yeah. That's amazing. So are you got, you're t- going to try and bring all those elements of everything that you're doing online. Um, online. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so what challenge. we'll do, what we'll, whilst it's not quite up and running just yet, is share your pages, um, your Instagram and whatever other pages on this um on your podcast so that people can follow and if they're interested, then find out some more. And cause I, like I said to you before, I'm so keen to do some things like that with my kids, especially now oh, that we're really restricted with, um, like I said to you before we recorded, we, I haven't been taking my kids to the playgrounds because I don't want them to use 
you know, the equipment and everything like that. But we mm. have been going up the road to the little skate park and bouncing around a basketball and, you know, running up and down the, the skate ramps and sliding back down. And it's been really good fun. And now all of that's closed. So um, mm. it is, you know, obviously we can go for walks and ride bikes around the block and things like that, but it's kind of like, what else can we do? I'm just kind of always looking for new ideas and mm. I'm sure there's plenty others out there looking at ways that um, we can keep our kids, you know, healthy and active occupied, and, occupied, um, and be involved well, with that. So just on that, I, I don't know. My children actually go to a Steiner school, so it's different to a mainstream schooling. So I don't know if you'd like me to sort of share some of the tips or what we're personally doing now that we're kind of homeschooling our children and what we've kind of taken from our school and our teachers, if that would be helpful. That was my next question. Ah, I'm like reading your mind. <laughs> so what is your question exactly? And I would well, try answer to my, my question. My question basically was just what I was next going to say was um, I thank you for coming on and everything that you've said. And I think that the industry that you're in, you've got a lot of wisdom and insights to ways to help many parents now with the current situation that we're all in and we'll be in for a long period of time. So if there was any other advice or tips or recommendations or anything that you could kind of share us with to finish off your episode. Mm, sure. So pretty much my kids have now been off school for uh, about two weeks now. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much took the first week to just get our heads around it and we were doing little bits of schoolwork and because I shared before um, that we, I, I've got to now bring all my classes online, we just, myself and my partner were like, we need to get our house set up and our foundation set up before we dive deep into anything else. So we actually took the first few days, even up to the first week, to basically get our house in order and like have a, a, a room set up for the girls so that they've got that safe space to do their schooling work. And then I've got space to be teaching my classes um, and like rooms for the lights and all that kind of stuff. So I would really, really encourage everyone because I know that a lot of parents have been to schools and gone and picked up these big, massive packs of information and all this stuff that they're feeling really, really overwhelmed by. Um, just put that to the side. If you haven't already, just put it to the side for a moment and just get your foundation set up. Nothing bad is going to happen if you don't get through all of that work. And I, I've see, I know because I've seen and heard the teachers say, look, this is, you don't need to get through all of this work. The most important thing is to really manage and support your child emotionally and hold space for them. So for me, my kids are five and seven, so they're relatively still quite young and they're sort of in that first sort of stage of life. So I'll kind of focus more on that age group. Um, but really the things like day-to-day um, -day chores and us as parents really modelling and um, showing kids how to do things like baking and cleaning and sweeping and still being able to get out in nature if you're lucky enough to have a backyard or if you can go for a, a walk in nature. Those things are so important. I would really encourage 
for that big pile of like work that you've been given from school, I've, I made the mistake of getting it all out in front of my daughter and she got really overwhelmed as Mm. well as me a little bit. So don't do that in front of them. Keep that aside and kind of work in little bits at a time. Try to get that a bit organized um, and don't just kind of plonk it all on the table because that's going to not only overwhelm you, but stress and overwhelm your child as well. Um, And I think also another really important thing to do is within your family, there needs to be clear communication. So we sat down and had a family meeting. And once again, my girls are a little bit older than your girls. So it it might not be appropriate, appropriate with really young kids. Um, But having some kind of open communication with your children um, and sort of find out what they think is going on and let them express their emotions. And if they have any fears or worries about what's going on, it's really important to hold space for them in that way. Mm. And then kind of in a very child friendly, in a very safe way, explain why you're not at school, why they're not at school and why our daily routine and our daily rhythm has changed so dramatically at the moment And just kind of reassuring them that everything will be okay, but we're just in a time of healing at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I think that that the lines of communication need to stay open, um, both with your partner if you have one and then also the children. And then kind of work out with the kids and with your partner, and it might be two separate conversation of conversations sorry of how the day is going to pan out and even how the week is going to pan out so for example like what is important what are your values at the moment is is it your value or is it part of your value to have all of the kids school work done or is it more important for you to nurture their mind and their health Mm -hmm. so for for us that's a really important thing so if we can see that Um, our kids are getting stressed out by something, what can we do to help support them in that way? And then like, sorry, were you going to say something? No, it's just interesting that you say that because I've um, like, I've always in around the value side of things, right? Like I've always had goals and figured out my values and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to work, every career I've ever done, Mm -hmm. it's been very clear driven, structured goals and, you know, so organized and um, all planned out and everything. And up until recently, I've never really properly done that with my personal life. And I think my husband Mm -hmm. and I had a conversation about that about probably a bit over a year year ago, which, you know, was Mm -hmm. resulted in me making a lot of changes and ending up starting, you know, this podcast series. But it became so um, eye-opening how much your life can change once you do determine what are your values, what are your personal goals. Like, I don't know, like a lot of people probably have done that in their day-to-day lives, but for me it was just like I've always just, that's been what I've had to focus on at work and I don't want to have to think about, you know, think about, all those plans and goals and stuff when it comes to just me and in my life. But it's amazing Mm. how when you do, and particularly for families with what's happening now, have that clear goal and vision and plan about what your day, week, months are going to look like. I think it's going to make everything a lot easier for everyone and particularly if everyone's on the same page. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, 
I love how you said that you had these goals and values for your work and then you've extended it and you've gone, okay, well, how can we work that into our personal life, which is so perfect. And then trying to extend that to the whole family Mm. because, (coughs) sorry, it's so important because our kids have got their own ideas and their own values. And if we can then slowly start to bring those into the lifestyle or our family life, they feel important as well Mm. because they've gone, okay, well, like for example, my daughter, um, my youngest daughter at school, they have a baking day um, and they bake bread and it's like they use that as a maths lesson for like early education and Mm -hmm. they work out how many cups of flour and all the rest of the stuff that kind of goes into it and how many kids are here today and how many bread buns do we have and all that kind of stuff so and she loves that that is so important that's like a highlight of her week baking day every like she's just like oh what day is it today and I'm like Monday she's like oh it's baking day today So it's so important for her. That's part of her value that she wants to be able to still have her baking day. So we've like got the flour and got all the ingredients so that we can bring that into our daily rhythm and our like routine or not Mm. daily rhythm, but weekly rhythm so that she's not missing out on that. So she really feels heard and seen because she was the one that came up with that idea. And now we're bringing that into our family life. Um, Mm, so yeah so just examples like that and then my eldest daughter she is a very very keen um she's very artsy very crafty um and she also has become very keen on photography and both myself and my partner are kind of learning more so my partner than me he kind of stole the camera off me but (laughs) um whole another story but she has really been observing how she can learn about photography and she's become really interested in stop motion films. And I don't know if you've um, seen or heard what that is, but yeah, basically they take a lot of photos and they have to move things and then take another photo. Mm -hmm. And they came up with this incredible little video, which is on my social media page a few weeks ago. Um, and it was them like playing with all these little dolls and they did that together. And that's so, there was so much concentration and so much patience that went into this little um, video that they did together and they worked on together. So that was something that was really important for her and that's her showing her creativity. So it was really nice to, for her to be able to bring that into our daily rhythm and her mm. um, and her dad to be able to do that together. So yeah, I think, mm, and just some other things that we kind of have been doing, like my girls love knitting. So, um, Charlotte, my younger, she loves finger knitting. So that's been a big part of, um, our daily rhythm. And then my eldest will use knitting needles, um, and gardening. Um, they love gardening. So getting out in the sunshine, stuff like that. And also, um, there's these books, they're like audio books and they're very child friendly um, stories and it's called sparkle stories. And so we don't have a lot of screen time in our family. Um, but my girls are really enjoying listening to audio books in this time. So highly recommend those. And they, they're all divided up into different ages. So it's like plus three plus four or um, so on and so forth. So that's another really good thing to be able to bring into the daily rhythm as well. So 
Yeah, hopefully that's sort that's of a helpful. lot. No, that's really good. And um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and good luck with everything. I hope you can share your classes online. I'll definitely be waiting and looking forward to finding out how you go with all of that and getting that already in live. And um, thank you. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun reminiscing back on my pregnancies <laughs> and birth. It's so funny when you um, like venture back into that kind of time in your life, I think. So thank you for holding space for me to do that. Oh, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you to everyone listening. This was episode 21. We will talk to you all in the next episode. And I'll just finish off this episode with some motivation from my little baby girl, Ivy, who is three. Go. God give mommy. Do it again. God give mommy. Good job.